Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to Transplant's Take on Sport. My name's Lewis Daniels and joining me today is professional golfer Will Marklew. Will tells me about his path to becoming a professional golfer, what life as a pro is typically like for him and how it's changed since starting dialysis in September 2021 and we both open up about the mental challenges we've faced. Will is hoping to have a kidney transplant later this year so please stick around to find out more about that and his golf plans for the future. If you're enjoying the podcast, please make sure you press subscribe or follow wherever you normally listen so you don't miss an episode. And if you'd like to follow the podcast on social media, all the links will be in the show notes. Before we get into this episode, I'd like to say another huge thank you to Neon Cricket, who very kindly sponsored me once again for the 2022 season, and have given me a code to share with you all that's slightly different to the one you may have heard before. If you use the code TTOSPORT, you'll receive a 20% discount on their entire range. That's T-T-O-S-P-O-R-T for 20% off everything at neoncricket.co.uk, and the website and the code are in the show notes in case you want to go straight from there to the website. I've been using their kit and it's genuinely the best I've ever used. So if you play cricket, why not grab yourself a saving of 20% ready for the new season? If there's a friend, family member, teammate, opposition player, a player you coach or anyone else you'd like to share the code with, then please feel free to do so. Thank you once again to Neon Cricket and let's get back to the podcast. Will Marklew, welcome to Transplants Take On Sport. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. No worries. Pleasure to have you on. I believe you are the first professional athlete on the podcast. I could be wrong. Someone may correct me online, but I think you might be. But I hope so. But it's you know it's something we can we can talk about. It's something different, isn't it? Anyway, isn't it? You know. Yeah. You you are uh, as I'm sure I've said in the intro. You are a professional golfer. Yep. And you're currently on dialysis, awaiting a kidney transplant. We're going to come more onto dialysis and the potential transplant further on into the podcast. But to start with, when did you first start playing golf? So my dad's a golf pro as well. He's he's a PGA professional. And nice. He's been that all his life. So it was sort of destined for me to go into golf. So I've been playing golf since I was two, since I could walk. It's always been, everything's been around golf. And uh, yeah, I couldn't, couldn't think of doing anything else. I absolutely love it. I really do love it. Is it something that you took too quickly with your dad being a professional as well? Yeah, very much so. It's um, Like I said, I had my first set of plastic clubs when I was two. And within three months, I wore them out. There was there was holes in the bottom of them. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was using adult clubs when I was five and six, playing playing tournaments when I was that age as well, in you know the junior wee wonders, things like that. And it's just something I've always loved. It's nice to hear that. I've, I haven't mentioned this on the podcast before, but there's there's got to be. I've, I've had this conversation with my family, and I'm sure you may have may have done as well. There's got to be something genetic in these things when there's it, a certain skill gets passed down through a generation. I haven't spoken about magic much on this podcast. I don't generally talk about it because it's not a sport. Um, but my granddad was a pro. My dad's a pro. I'm now doing it. And you, you with golf. Do you think there is something genetic there? I agree, uh, 100%. I mean, my dad's side are all, all rugby sides. They're all athletes. So his his dad's dad played rugby for Great Britain. And then he sort of transferred into golf rather than you know doing anything else. So I think he's then taught himself that skill. 
why isn't it transferred onto me? Were you playing competitions a lot then growing up? From what yeah. sort of age? Uh, well, We Wonders started, I think it was seven, eight. I mean, I had my first hole-in-one when I was eight in a tournament. From some goofy I've been doing, that's, that matches Tiger Woods. <laughs> that's fantastic. I never knew that. So that was in, um, I th- what was that? That was in Chester. I think it was in um, Graham Moore's Golf School. Those two was, and that was just great fun. But yeah, played all sorts, played all, all tournaments I could. Were you practicing a lot during the weeks as well then? Is it like an everyday thing, like a lot of kids would be with maybe football as the national sport? It was, yeah. So it's like, rather than, you know, go out with mates, I'd go to golf. My brothers play golf as well, so it was quite competitive. Um, so, you know, we'd, we'd finish school, straight to golf, we'd play with my dad, and then, you know, we'd either walk the dogs or something, do something like that in the afternoon. It was never, I never forced into it. It was something that I chose to do, but, you know, I just, I loved it. And there'll be people listening to this that are not massive, avid golf fans. There'll be some that are mad on it. There'll be some that'll go, yeah, I'll watch it when it's on. And there's there's quite a lot of, we were talking about this off air beforehand, there's quite a lot of terms with professional golf. Hmm. Would you be able to explain, for those who might not know, the difference between a professional golfer and a golf professional, and then the different types of professional golfers, club club pros, touring pros, that sort of thing? Of course, yeah. So basically what I am, I am a PJ assistant professional. I'm in my third year training, pretty much finished now. So that's sort of going down the business coaching side of golf. Um, so part of the Professional Golfers Association. There is also your golf professionals, which just basically turn pro to coach, do other sort of things without the qualifications. Your touring golf pro, they're sort of the likes of your McElroy's Tiger Woods is that purely focus on competition and they just compete for a living. As you, what would you describe yourself as in terms of you are a... Obviously, you're a professional golfer, but... Yeah, you, so, so before you uh, this all happened... Yeah, I was touring pro. So I, I played tournaments for a living. That's all I was doing. And we established earlier on that was always what you wanted to do. Was there a point where you realised that that would be a realistic career option? I think it was more a case of... I When I was... Obviously, I started my turning pro when I was 19. Uh, I was in Spain. And I did quite well out there. Came, turned back to the UK... Um, obviously, I moved back in with my ex-partner at the time. It takes over everything then. Obviously, you got to pay for a house. you got to pay for everything else yeah. you need to. I started working. So it sort of like set back a couple of years where I wasn't able to play and I was purely just working in different golf clubs. So that sort of like put everything on hold. Um, I then stepped away from that to go full-time playing again when when, when things happened, relationship fell through. And yeah, the COVID hit. So this is where the situation is now. So it's always a dream to be be a tournament pro, and this was sort of going to be the first time where it was getting all my effort. I'm always fascinated by the careers of people who were in professional sport because it it's quite often described it's, it's living the dream, isn't it? Really, I would say so. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's going to work every day without going to work. It's basically your hobby is is yeah. your day life. It's, it's great. It really is. What is the process of going from how do you be cla- go from being classed as an amateur golfer to a professional golfer? It's pretty much just signing on the line. That's it. <laughs> but all you have to do is say, like, pretty much, I, I resent my amateur status. I'm no longer an amateur. So you can't play amateur tournaments. You can't do anything like that. You basically play professional tournaments. If you take money, that's it. You're a pro. You're a pro. Have you got to, does your handicap have to get below a certain point to be able to sign that paper? It doesn't have to be, no. You, you can turn pro really off any handicap. But if you want to go down the PGA route, I think the qualification is now six handicap. Right. Um, but obviously, that's you, you've got to be a standard to get to that because they yeah. want you know good golfers to be able to teach, be able to go into golf industry and and shine the light on golf. Really, be the you know the sports people for golf. You don't want someone who can't, who really can't play, just going, yeah, I'm a pro now. Sign that. <laughs> well, you know, there's an old saying in golf. It's like the higher the handicap, the more they can teach you. It's uh, yeah, it's it's something we we coaches joke about a lot. <laughs> do you remember you think the feeling of your first pro round? I do actually, yeah. It was a. Uh, it was actually. I was. I spent four years in Spain, and it was the second year in there. I was playing at a course in Valencia, and um, I was playing actually really good golf. I was leading the tournament up until the 18th hole, and that was the first time probably in my career that nerves really hit, and I just hit this this horrible blocky three wood into the water, took a drop, lost my mind completely, ended up making a double to lose the tournament by two, and so you know it's. From there on out, it was always, it was a learning curve, but it sort of bothered me right right through. Maybe a good couple more years that bothered me. So yeah, I still think about that now, actually. 
Now I've got, uh, you sent me some information beforehand. Did your lowest handicap's two point six? It was plus two point two plus two point six. Yeah, so I was getting pretty much two shots added on when I played rather than taking off. It's, I mean, it's, it's some going. I'm not. I'm not saying I'm an expert. That is, it, it was it, tough. Yeah, because I mean, my home course it's it's right on the coast in Cumbria, and it's honestly it's it's the windiest golf course this side of anywhere. So I mean, it's like I was trying to play. I had to shoot. I think Sand and Scratch, so obviously the old system, Sand and Scratch, was one under par. I had to shoot two under par to not go up point one. Yeah. So it was always a tough day, every single day. You saying that now has shown my shown my knowledge of golf because I saw you put plus, handy, lowest handicap plus two point six, and for some reason I don't know why I thought as if you were how to word this. For some reason I don't know why I, I thought you were. Uh, Taking two off each time, but now it's like now I've gone. Oh wow, that is that is like seriously yeah, so, good. So the system is like everything before zero is minus. So yeah. you get some minuses, and then obviously once you go beyond minus, you go into pluses. It's uh, golf is never never simple. You've got to think about it differently. It's uh, we never do things easily. And you also you've been uh, you've been selected for Cumbria, North of England, England. How did it feel to be selected for those teams? And was that for like match play sort of tournaments? It was, yeah. yeah. So obviously we play against different countries in match play scenarios. Um, I only ever played for England once. Um, so it was it was before that. It was, you know, looking back on things now, I was unwell way before I knew. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, a lot of, I think a lot of us are. Oh, yeah. So it was, um, I think the first time I went for blood tests when I was 13 and my kidney function was 60% then. Oh, um, right. Which I didn't know until recently. I never checked my records. So it was only until sort of two weeks ago that I actually knew that. But um, when I was probably 17, 18, when I was going through the peak of playing well, I was at my lowest handicap, I was so fatigued. I couldn't I couldn't do anything. My concentration went. And it got to a point that I couldn't play golf anymore. Um, so basically, the terminology we have in golf is I, I got the full swing yips. I, I couldn't swing. <laughs> I couldn't play. Um, and I went from, obviously, being a plus handicapper to a four handicapper right. over the space of, of, of a year, which is, you know, I couldn't break 85 um, that was the point we moved out to Spain to then reset and go again. And that got me back down to, I think I was plus one, plus two before I turned pro again. And that was over the space of a year again. So it was, uh, yeah, so that was sort of like the, the journey from my amateur career. Then when I turned professional, it was, it was just sort of stepping stones, really stepping stones into into my working life. Then once I finished my working life, different tours, 2020 Pro Tour, Euro Pro, Jamiga Tour. Um, tried to go further, but financially it just wasn't really an option when you're working full-time those tournaments were you having to buy into them yeah yeah, yeah. so everything everything was called by myself and um, so i paid i think um at the time i think it was between 99 and 200 pound per tournament entrance fee um obviously you got your hotel costs travel costs everything to go down there first place can vary from a thousand to three thousand but obviously you're never going to win week in week out no. it's uh if you win, if you win like once every three or four months, you're doing well. Yeah, it's quite an expensive game. Oh yeah, it is, especially on the bottom tier. Once you move up, obviously you get the bonuses, everything. Yeah, like the rights of McElroy and everything like that. They're living the dream, but it's a lot of grind, a lot of hard work to get there. There's a lot of us trying to do it. You obviously work very hard, and the fact you said that when you were 13, your kidney function sixty percent, and getting to that point, you're obviously very determined, and you you want to do really well in golf. Pre dialysis, what was a typical week like for you? Um, so obviously school life, it was um, school through the day, golf in the afternoon, weekend would be 18 holes in the morning with my dad and my brother, then we'd practice in the afternoon. And once I finished school, it was practice in the morning, home something to eat, practice the afternoon, out with the family, you know, in the evening. That was pretty much every day. Um, there was a few days rest, obviously, when the weather comes in and Christmas and things like that, we didn't, didn't do anything. But so, yeah, it was always, it was always full time. It was, it was never... It was never not going really. We spent a lot of time in the gym. Not really. It's never something I enjoyed. I never enjoyed going to the gym. It was it was more tedious. But now, obviously, since dialysis, I've started going to the gym again two weeks ago, and I love it. I couldn't, you know, I spend I think four times a week at the moment. I go ten at night, and I absolutely love it. But beforehand, couldn't do it. Didn't have the motivation to do it. I think that was more fatigue than anything else stopped me. It's just. That's a, it's a strange one. I I can relate to that. When I was diagnosed, well, I went. I was diagnosed with kidney disease at uni, and before going to uni, I never got to the gym. Started going when I got there. 
do it fairly well. And then the I suppose I'm sure we'll come on to talk about the that conversation you have where it's you've got this you've got your kidneys are, are on their way down, they're, they're probably gonna fail at some point. And then it's like, right, I'm gonna go to the gym more. And I don't know what yeah. it is, but something just clicks and it's as if right, I'm making the most of this. Yeah, exactly. hundred <laughs> percent. Which I think my obviously my kidney function at the moment, I think last blood test was uh my EGFR was four, five. Right. I think. Um, it was around there anyway. But um for some reason at the moment I feel it's like today I feel I've got more energy than before I started dialysis and before I knew I was unwell. Yeah. As strange as it sounds, it's like at the moment I actually feel all right. It's good, it's good to hear. So at least you, yeah, at least you're feeling it. Yeah, exactly. I mean dialysis it's it's a pain. Obviously, it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I go to my local centre. Those days, I'm out. I can't do anything else once a day finishes. I'm just sleeping. But it's like today, I'm not dialysing. I feel good. I feel energised. Even though I'm tired, I still feel all right. Before dialysis, when you and obviously you're still playing golf now, but playing golf regularly beforehand, how important was dieting golf? What sort of things did you eat throughout the week and then on the on tournament days? So tournament days, it would be, it would be a carb load up the day before. Um, but apart from that, I would just eat normally. There wasn't, I wasn't trying to do anything differently. I was trying to not make it take over my whole life completely. You know, I was still a teenager, young lad. I wanted to enjoy myself as well. You know, it was, but now, pre-dialysis, pre-this, it's a completely different story. It really is. I don't ask them, how old are you now, if you don't mind? 26. 26, 26 okay. Yeah. What would you say your greatest achievements in golf up until now? Um... To be fair, it's like I don't feel like I've achieved too much regarding golf. It's like I've played for my county. I was junior county captain. I won numerous events as an amateur. Turn pro, won, I've won, I think, before all this started last year, or before coronavirus, I won five tournaments in a season as a professional. But, you know, I don't feel like I've done as much as, as my peers, you know, yeah. people that I grew up playing golf with. And, uh, you know, I just feel like I've been up there but they're they're about you know mm-hmm. not setting the standard but not you know bottom of the ring just you know plodding my way through yeah i know we're going to come on to more about the kidney disease kidney failure do you think that has that been a factor i mean obviously obviously there was something that'll be there but how much do you think that's played a part before you knew i think it played a part more than i realized because it's like i was, I was playing tournaments and i was never unfit you know i've always tried to keep healthy but i was so tired I was always, yeah, same. I was always fatigued. It's like I never knew. So it's like you know yourself. Obviously, when you were before you even knew, it was, you were tired without even realizing it. You know, my parents would call me lazy, but <laughs> now you know they, they realize what it actually was. And then another view to look at that with what you were saying about how you've you've achieved things, but you're not you you like that you said there or thereabouts. Is that also again the this elite mentality of someone who's playing professional sport of? I want to do more, I want to achieve higher and just be the best I can be. I think it's always a case of every single one who plays professional sport, we think we're the best at whatever we do. You know, we're the best at our craft. We can do everything. It's like, say, I'm better than Tiger Woods. But it's like, if you don't think that way, you know, you're always putting yourself down. Yeah. It's never going to be, you're never going to achieve what you really want to achieve. Your standards are high. Yes, it can be drained. It can be, you know, the too high sometimes. But it's that expectation of yourself and that that want to push and that will to go on. Yeah, it's, I mean, you see, you hear people talking about it all the time. Like, I know it's not golf. Cristiano Ronaldo, he's always better. Goals, more goals, more goals, yeah. more goals. Yeah. And it's, I find it really fascinating and commendable how much desire is there in in people like yourself who play in mm. professional sport. Yeah, I mean, it's like the desire for me has always been: I want to play tournament golf. I want to, you know. I want to, you know, I don't, I'm not bothered if I get to, you know, European tour. I want, I'm not bothered if how high I get. All I want to do is say that, right, I've done everything that I can possibly do to achieve what I wanted to achieve when I was younger. So if I give it my all, I can, you know, when everything, you know, when we get old and look back, we think, right, I've done everything I want to do. I'm happy with that. And that's, that's really my main goal. I want to say that I've done everything that I could possibly do. I think that's a good way to look at it as well. Well, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> People listening to this might have a new, new favourite golfer. <laughs> well, don't know about that. It could be, uh, <laughs> I want to see some of playing records for the last few tournaments. They might look back again. But maybe not. <laughs> Let's move forward on to the, uh, the kidney disease, kidney failure that, that's unfortunately hit you and hit, I'm sure, a lot of people listening to this. 
when did you first find out that there was something wrong with your kidneys? So the stupid thing is, a week before I knew everything was going on, the local mounted to me Black Coombe. I was on a 12 and a half mile hike and um, I had no problems at all. Everything was perfectly fine. Got home. The next day I was playing golf, 18 holes, and uh, everything was all right. But at the, the next day started my PGA exams. Right. Obviously it was coronavirus. There were five days of exams all online. Got to the Wednesday, looking at my computer, everything went blurry. I basically oh. could, couldn't see the couldn't see the words, couldn't concentrate. And went to the golf course to sort of relax. Couldn't see the golf ball. It was flying hundred yards. Not like I see it land, no problem at all. Hundred yards in the air, couldn't see it. So went to Specsavers the next day. Um, they found the vessels in the back of my eyes were bursting. Um, so they thought I was diabetic, which which I'm not. And um, basically. After I got referred to my local hospital, my blood pressure was two thirty one thirty, and uh, quite high, a little bit high, yeah. Um, but I felt fine. I still felt perfectly fine. Um, yeah, and then I was referred to Prest- Royal Preston, and uh, yeah, that's when I found out that my kidney function was ten percent. Well, that is, that's quite low for crashing, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, the bit, my consultant said I had another week left. If I hadn't gone to Specs, it was about another week before you know we crash completely wow but it just collapsed it's, it's 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 a scary scary thought isn't it oh it is yeah yeah very much so i mean it's like my mum this christmas obviously parent i was at my parents house for christmas she didn't know to laugh or cry because obviously everything that's gone on i was there with my family she was she was over the moon you know because it could have been good could, could yeah could have been a different story i think i think a lot of us in that position feel that and it's, it's not, oh, you I don't do, yeah. want to think about what could have happened. I know I've said before on here, I, my uh, function was slightly higher when I found out I was in the 30s. But you, when you think about the the symptoms that you don't really notice when leading up to it, but when you look back, you know we're there. You do think, what if I hadn't gone to the doctors about this? What if you hadn't gone to Specsavers? Oh, 100%. I mean, it's like beforehand, it's like the September. So all this started back in May for me, May, May or March. I think it was May. And the September before, I was at Europro qualifying. And um, this has never happened to me before, but I was sick on the first tee. Oh. Now, I have, I love it. I mean, the first tee, I was always drilled into why be nervous on the first tee. You know, that's energy. Embrace that energy. Call it first tee energy and be, be happy about it. But I was sick. And that's never happened. And I was so out of it that entire round. It's like I was just in, I was in like a different world altogether. Yeah. And then it's like I came back that week, came back the next week playing at Close House in a, in a PGA event. And again, on the 17th hole, I was sick. And oh. I've no, it's like that was, that's the start of, you know, things really starting to go bad. Did you feel it in your breath? Was it, I'm trying to compare it back to, I, don't, I know I shouldn't compare, but back to when I, the things that I was experiencing before diagnosis. Were you, with the being sick, I felt like I was going to be sick, wasn't sick, but exactly, struggled yeah. to breathe. Well, did you get a lot yeah. of that? Exactly the same, yeah. Yeah. It was exactly the same. Did you ever find out what the cause of it was? The cause, the cause of the kidney disease? Yeah, so it's um, IgA and arthropathy. Same here. Yeah, one of those. So it's, you know, obviously it affects, it affects you know, this population more than anything else. It's uh, the Caucasian population. I didn't know that. Which, yeah, it's um, my, 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 um, my consultant was saying it's, it mostly affects healthy young Caucasian men and women. It's... Oh. it's uh, yeah, it's a it's a horrible thing because basically our immune system is is strong, and that's how it yeah. that's how it gets us. From what I've read, I get I could be wrong here. From what I've read, it seems like it comes from the I, I hope I don't butcher this. Uh, the the antibodies produced to fight a respiratory illness. It is yeah yeah, yeah and the, that that basically one of the antibodies then gets trapped within the kidney and, and attacks the kidney. Um, so basically, my kidneys at the moment, I think. 75% of both of my kidneys are scar tissue. Right. And then within the rest of that, the, the rest of the 25% is inflamed, turned into scar tissue. Okay. So so the filters in my kidney, I, I just finished. Yeah. Have you ever thought, I don't know, this might be, I've had these thoughts. Have you ever thought back to think, where have I had some sort of strange, overly powerful cold <laughs> that could have brought this on? Well, about that as well. When I was seven, even younger, um, I caught Legionnaire's disease. Right. 
So it could, could it, be. you know, it all could be down to that. But we, we don't know. No one knows no. anything, do we? We don't have a clue. It could be, you know, a simple common cold. And that's what brought it on. Yeah. It's all, but, it's no, all, all speculation. I don't know how useful it is for any of us. I think back to when I was diagnosed with what I was told was asthma. I'm mm. thinking, could that have been it? But you, I, you, I almost don't like thinking about it because you think, <laughs> what could I have done to change it? Exactly, don't want to. I mean, it's that's the thing. We are in the situation we are now, obviously. Yeah. You're where you are. I'm where I am. Make the most of it. Let's do what we do. What we set out to do. It's it's you know, it's not ideal, but let's do it. I don't. Wanna, I don't want to get too sort of philosophical and, uh, and that sort of thing. Are you a believer of everything happens for a reason? I am. Yeah. 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 Very much so. Yeah. So it's I'm here. You know, there's a reason why this has happened. But the thing is, on I was going to say, if I hadn't been diagnosed with kidney failure and my parents hadn't have been put forward for donation, yeah. they wouldn't have found out that my dad needed a quadruple bypass. So realistically, me, you know, being sought out here saved my dad's life. That that was fascinating to read. Um, yeah. Uh, we may as well come on to that now. We, both our parents have been through that live donor workup. Mm. Yours, obviously, blessed in disguise. Oh, 100%, yeah. It's like the, the, the consultant for my dad said he was a ticking time bomb. It was just any time. So, you know, I'm so thankful for that as well. Although the, you've obviously found that out about your dad, what was the, sort of the the balance between, oh my God, what's happening here, to I'm glad we found that out? To be honest with you, I never really thought about it. No. I think um, I've always been quite a, I don't know how to put it, quite a numb person to my own emotions. So it's like every right through this whole process, I've been not optimistic, but not pessimistic. I've just been you know quite neutral this is where i am this is what's happening yeah i feel that. deal with it you know that's, i think personally i think that's the best way to deal with it yeah I, I think i think i'm similar also maybe with what we've been through it, you, mm. it's the sort of thing you take it you, well, you try and take it in your stride don't you oh you do yeah yeah we've got to spend most of it we really do i mean it's like you wouldn't be where you are now if you know stupid it sounds if it hadn't happened to you yeah you know it's uh this wouldn't exist Exactly. <laughs> you know, and obviously, your situation now, you're helping so many people like myself. Oh, thank you. Thank you. On that, the live donor workup process, it, this, as we've, sort of, we've gone through there, they say it is the, the most thorough health check you'll ever go through mm. in your life. And yeah. think, you may find out things that you didn't know about yourself. But before you get to that, there's the, donate, the, the, donation, the conversation about who may come forward to donate a kidney. I was sat in the room with my parents, yours, maybe in a similar situation. What was that conversation like? Like in my case, it was very much, there wasn't really conversation. It was straight away, we'll both get tested. Yeah, it's exactly the same for my parents, both of them. It wasn't It wasn't the same situation because obviously I think at the time I was diagnosed, COVID was in, was yeah. like right on. So I was in hospital and my parents went for a consultancy with, with my doctor and um, they just basically write, where can we sign up? Where can we where can we donate? Yeah. And that's how it all started. It was, you know, it wasn't, you know, I don't feel ungrateful. I don't, I'm not forcing them into anything, but you know, I'm so grateful mum mom and dad offer, offering that to me, you know. Definitely, yeah. It is a case of parents, parents do anything for the kids. Yeah. I don't know why I would, if I had kids, it would be, what can I do to help out? And then, you know. You're taking the words straight out of my mouth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's all, I don't know what the right word to describe it. It's obviously very, very grateful that people would come forward. It's humbling the right word. I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> it's, I think it's also it's like you don't want to put your parents at risk either. Yeah. You know, it's it's being grateful without, you know, taking too much for granted from them and putting them at risk as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we've not, we've not really talked too much about going from diagnosis to dialysis, but how long was there in that time period? Um, so I started. Well, I started dialysis a couple of days before my birthday in September. Happy um, so birthday. I was, <laughs> so I was actually in, in dialysis unit um, on my birthday, which it wasn't too bad. But at the time, this was when things were bad. My kidney function, I think, was at four. Um, it was, I thought the story of that happening was I was having an iron, fu- iron infusion because obviously anemia comes part of the kidney failure. Yeah. And the nurse at the time, I asked her, oh, what's my kidney function like? I haven't seen it in a while. And she went, oh, it's... Um, it's five percent. I was like, "What? <laughs> it shouldn't be that low." But like, yeah, sorry, it's five percent. So I rang my parents. My mum got straight onto the phone to my consultant, and they were like, "Well, why isn't he in hospital?" I'm like, he's fine. He's at home. He's he's, he's doing well. You know. <laughs> Next day, hospital, emergency dialysis. You know, chest line, 
and I was off from then. You still on the chest uh, line now? Yeah, 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 yeah. I am. I'd, they were trying to go towards PD dialysis, but um, the situation is I'm renovating a house at the same time, so having everything done at home on PD isn't isn't you know all the, the best idea at the moment. Yeah. Plus, like my bedroom's only one and a half. It's like one and a half bedrooms. I don't have anywhere to store the stuff. Because <laughs> I've I've only seen the photos. I may have mentioned it before on here. There's a lot of pallets of fluid, isn't there? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's like when the when the nurse came round, she went in the second bedroom. It was like, right, we're gonna have to fill up that wall with with boxes of of fluid. And I, <laughs> I don't know how I'd be able to do it. I don't know how. But the thing is, though, it's like the freedom of my unit now. I think it's with with Diaverum, and uh, they do a minimal care unit which I'm going to start training for, which basically means I come and go to the unit as I please. All right. Obviously, as long as I do, you know, I don't go stupid. I've still got to have three days a week, um, but, you know, I can come at, you know, 11 in the evening or, you know, seven, six, five in the morning if I need to, if I'm competing, which is ideal for me. That's really good. Yeah. Obviously, with the line in your chest, I don't think this is something we've spoken about on the podcast before. I know you've got to be very careful around keeping it clean and not getting it infected. Mm-hmm. What is that? process like how how often are you cleaning it what sort of things you have to do to look after the line um so obviously the the company that i use supplies me shower pads it's like um it's like a stomach bag that basically goes over the yeah. line for when you shower um i use that when i'm competing in the rain as well in case for water is leak and put one of those on but the rest of the time it's just you know keeping yourself you know personal hygiene's got to be very high yeah you know same as it should be anyway but you know it's, it's got to be especially high because you don't want to get an infection because obviously that is a direct feed into the bloodstream and infection there could be not not good news. No, not something you particularly want to think about. No, not really, not <laughs> at all. So I've been quite fortunate so far. Obviously, been down since September with the same line and everything's been good so far. Obviously doing doing the right things. Oh, yeah. Well, I did block once, but uh, uh, that's, uh, that's fine now. Good stuff. Good to hear. And your mum is the one to donate or will be donating a kidney to you. Again, yes, yeah. we've had a lot of similarities in this up to this point. <laughs> um, have you got a rough time frame for that? And how are you both feeling about it? Um, I think my mum's excited. She just wants to, you know, she wants me to be healthy again. She wants me to be back up to where I was. Um, you know, I want to, I want to not have to put a bag on to go for a shower. I want to, yeah. you know, to do everything that I want to do. And um, so, hopefully, the consultant mentioned around Easter time. Fingers crossed. If everything goes to plan. But um, recently, we have found. My mum had a gallbladder removed. Right. Um, so they found a cyst on her liver. So she's getting that checked up. I think it's tomorrow. Um, so that'll be the the 10th. So the 11th. she get checked up on the 11th. And then hopefully it's all go from there. Good. So it's another, again, something else that you may not have found out other than for this process. Yeah, exactly. 100%. It's like she, when she had a gallbladder removed, they have a full workup, obviously, the body scan. Everything's scanned. And they only found this cyst because of the scans for getting workup for kidney donation. It, it's... It's fascinating a lot. It is fascinating how these things crop up and everything sort of ties in together and just things work. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. I, mean, I think it's something that comes from, I don't know about you, but personally, if I ever felt unwell or something felt wrong, I would never go to the doctors. It took my girlfriend physically had to force me into Specsavers to get a checkup, you know, but, uh, you know, obviously I'm grateful she did. I, I think again. I think this is another another similarity. I've I've had one eye test in twenty three years. <laughs> so that, that was my first. <laughs> yeah, twenty six years. And that was my first. Twenty five years. That was my first. <laughs> but again, there's always that thought. Again, I know we shouldn't do it, and I'm not. I'm not afraid to say I've had a psychology treatment, and mm. um, and you're told not to think about the what ifs. But there are a lot of those going around all oh, the time. Yeah, there is. Very much so. I mean, my whole mentality of everything since my since my diagnosed with this now has completely changed. I was very, I was very shy and timid before all this. Whereas now it's like I'm just full of confidence. I will I will say someone exactly how it is, and I yeah. don't care what they think. I'm just going to be me. You know, I think that's that's where I've changed. It's like, you know, even six months ago, seven months ago, I would never start up a YouTube channel. Never would have done it. Whereas now, you know, I put two videos up. And I loved it. They're good really videos did. as well. Well, thank you. It was a, it was a first attempt, so I'll take it. I'll definitely take it. I like, I like the voiceovers you did. It's good, <laughs> good stuff. Yeah, try to be different. I don't want to do things the same as you know everyone else. Do you look at someone like uh, Rick Shields as inspiration? 
Not really, no. no. I, I prefer, the way I want to do it, I want to do tournament vlogs. I want to do life as a, life as me, basically. Yeah. Life as trying to get to the highest level, trying to get as far as I possibly can. And that's, that's what I want to do. Because I know there is so many people out there aspiring to be professional athletes. And, you know, especially when I was doing it, there wasn't anyone sort of really sort of giving the pace on how to do it. Yeah. It was, you know, oh, I've got to here. This is, this is how I got here. But it was never the process of step-by-step guides. On- Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. step-by-step guys and also making the mistakes you know trying to do it while we're on the topic of social media and youtube i, I saw a video on your instagram a few of you hitting just hitting balls at the driving range yeah. and i looked at that as a non-golfer or state non-golfer i tried to play i did a three club challenge once and that went horribly <laughs> i could hit the ball but i don't know where it's going um and it was sat next to my dad and the, like what do you hit the ball i just went wow they just went like a laser well it was i think though it took me i think it was six attempts to do that so if they went for low t high t was it that one possibly yeah. yeah so at low t high t trying to get trying to get the ball flight exactly the same off a low t and high t to sort of say look you don't really need you know yeah that was the one there's, yeah. no, there's no need for it you can do what you want to do and everything will still be the same um but it's taken me you know i'm 26 or 24 years of playing golf probably 360 days a year to get to that yeah it's a uh, yeah it's a long been a long process i also saw on your instagram that you, it says you're trying to get to q school which is yeah, that's so, for the dp world tour yes yeah that's what i want to get to ideally um that's probably going to be not this year year after um obviously finances again play a big part in that because it's so expensive to do it how do you go about getting to that point um so it's just a case of pay your money if you get in, great. If you don't, you know, best luck next year. But it's um, so I think it's the first round will be in the UK somewhere. Second round generally in Spain. Third round I think was in Spain again year before. But it's I think it's three days, three days, six days. If I'm correct, I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, but it is it's a long process. Is that like a, a qualifying for that tour? Basically? It is, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know a few of my friends like like Jonathan Thompson, Andrew Wilson. They've all gone on to now be you know big professional golfers um jonathan thompson i think he finished third in q school last year to get his card you know fantastic i couldn't you know he's been through a lot as well when it came to his health when he was younger and he's a fantastic guy and a, a brilliant golfer and moving on to golf while you're on dialysis we've had some listener questions in 
If anybody wants to ask some questions for whichever guest it may be in the future, like a few people have done for Will today, then if you go and follow Transplants Take On Sport on social media, uh, Instagram and Facebook are at Transplants Take On Sport Pod, and Twitter is at TTOS Pod. Or if you want to, you can email Transplants Take On Sport at gmail.com, and you can send your questions in by, by the comments. You can DM them. You can put them in the question box on Instagram. Uh, and if you do so, there's a chance to feature on the podcast. Now, uh, before we come on to one that's slightly more specific, to golf um one that was quite popular on instagram was how does dialysis affect your life and we'll say just we'll go generally rather than golf specific for now i think more generally it's it's more the time it takes up because obviously and also the strain it has for me personally it's like dialysis is very tiring very fatiguing so and i also think that plays a big part into how much fluid you take off when you're dialyzing so i found obviously if i don't take up any fluid I'm more energized that afternoon. I'll only take a two-hour nap compared to sleeping all afternoon after it. Right. So it's like, so this coming Monday, um, I had, I think we took off 1.2 liters of fluid and I got home. My head was pounding. Um, I basically slept until six o'clock when my girlfriend woke me up and said, look, we need to go and have something to eat. We need to, you know, do something. Otherwise I'd just sleep right through until the next morning. Um, but then, you know, the strain it has on your heart and the, and the brain. Yeah. It's like if we were doing this podcast that Monday, I'd mumble my words. It'd be, you know, I wouldn't be able to speak. It'd be it'd be horrible. Um, but it's like this Wednesday, I had no fluid on me. So last night was the first time I went to golf after dialysis. It was an absolute train wreck. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I did it and I'm proud for doing it. Before we come on to the, next, the other listener question, how, I'm just going to ask you about the, the golf you played yesterday. I, say, I saved it. didn't ask you yesterday when we were messaging. Um, what was the difference between playing after dialysis and also, but then playing on a day where you've not had any? So I think the main difference was I couldn't get concentrated. It's as stupid as it sounds. It's like normally concentration. Concentration has been an issue since my diagnosis with kidney failure right through my my memory and my my speech skills, my my vocabulary is sort of taking a hit. I feel I've got I had it when yeah. I was uh, when I was going through the proper kidney failure. The concentration yeah, so was I, a nightmare. It's that's the worst part of it. It really is. So it's like I was stood on the first tee and I hit a great shot. Absolutely loved it. Got to the second one. It was just horrendous. It, I think so it was a par four, I think it's four hundred and thirty yards. I had a nine iron into the green. Um now normally, you know, within my seven iron I'm quite accurate. I must have missed the green 40 yards right. It was probably the worst nine I ever hit, and it wasn't a shank. So it was just straight right. And that's sort of like, normally I'd be able to pick myself up and go again from there. I couldn't get going again. I couldn't focus on what I wanted to do. Along with that, the concentration is the it's horrible. I had to have extra time in exams at uni for that exact reason. Uh, Darren asked how are you finding the stamina for golf but also are you mentally tired near the end of the round yeah i think um the physical tiredness is something that i've experienced the most um mentally tired it's always that's always going to happen with professional sport because yeah. you are especially with golf you've got you've got your seven seconds where you've got your peak concentration per shot before your mind starts to wander again so those seven seconds i'm focused purely on what what my goal is what my shot outcome is and i'm doing that obviously 70 65 times around um but the physical tiredness that's affected me more i'll get to hole 13 i've got to sit down i've got to sit down and have a rest every day i need to recover and then for those last six holes i'm struggling and that's that's where i've found in my last last two months i've played and i've been one two three under par to you know to holes 12 13 yeah i'll finish level par one two over just because of my concentration's gone and my stamina's gone. It's almost like I'm trying to swing, my body won't let me. Yeah. It's, then it just goes all over the place. It's like the last tournament I played in, um, I managed to get something going again. I managed to, you know, sort of carry on by not... Almost like the whole round, I was swinging 70%. Yeah. You know, and, it, and I finally, you know, got a decent score and a decent finish. Has that been the best way you found to adapt to the effects of kidney disease and kidney failure? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. Um, it's been it's been a process. It's uh, yeah. I think um, I think we're finally starting to adapt to some sort of routine that's working for me. Um, obviously, the gym is playing its part. 
I mean, it's like used to when I was in college. Um, obviously, I did. Um, I think it's level three B tech in sports. We used to push ourselves in the gym all the time. Yeah. And the rowing machine, I could go all day. You know, we used to do half an hour, and that was sort of like getting warmed up. I was on the I was on the rowing machine for two minutes. You know, the other day, and I was finished. I couldn't even walk out to the car. I was out of breath until I got home and even got into bed. I was just, I was, yeah, I was gone. I mean, also, you've obviously you've said you can play with seventy percent swing, but is there a difference in the way you've had to adapt in terms of how you fuel your body food-wise? Yeah, because obviously we can't eat the same stuff. Obviously, yeah. I'm on a, a low potassium, low phosphate diet, and um, which is yeah, so all the good stuff I normally eat my fruit, veg, nuts. You know, I can't eat anymore. It's uh, I'm very limited. <laughs> So it's uh yeah it's it's a lot of pasta with with pesto and you know plain pasta <laughs> a, lot, a lot of pasta and rice. Does that work to the same extent as what you normally would eat? It, it can do. Yep. Sorry, my cat's coming to say <laughs> Um But no, yeah, it does. It I haven't found diet to be a massive issue. Obviously, if if a potassium goes high, I feel it. If a phosphate goes high, I feel it in my body. It's like I think the last tournament I played in. I didn't quite eat right going into it. So we got to hole 11 and 12. My hands and feet were tingly. My legs were numb. And that that was hard. And it's like, that's that's the daily life as well. Obviously, if you eat wrong, yeah, your body then says, what are you doing? You can't be doing this. When you see a lot of tennis players during games, they're eating bananas. Or Andy, I remember a journalist asking Andy Murray, how many bananas do you go through in a game? And yeah. he went, one. Um, yeah. Is this something that you relied on beforehand? Yeah, I used to go through two or three around quite easily. Bananas, apples. Best one was Jaffa cakes. Love Jaffa cakes. Through through around. Um, there's always, you know, fruit and nut mix, um, salted peanuts as well. Even though you know, it wasn't great. Maybe thirsty, but still, I love the salted peanuts when I'm playing golf. <laughs> Have you been able to play as often as you normally would when you've been on dialysis? Um, so I'm now down to playing. Um, obviously, I have. Yes, yesterday was the first time I played on a Wednesday on a dialysis day. Um. So I'm stuck to Tuesday, Thursday, and I do what I can Saturday, Sunday. I really try and you know go for it Saturday, Sunday. But even then, that's only play in the morning, probably a couple of hours short game in the afternoon. I don't have at the moment the patience to stand there on the range and hit balls like I used to be able to do. Yeah, you know I used to be able to stand on the range four or five hours, my headphones in. That was fine. I can't do that now. I think that's mostly down to the restless restless legs as well. Really plays its part. How are you dealing with that mentally in terms of not being able to do what you could do before? I think more not thinking about it too much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, trying to trying to block it out yeah. and just uh, say, look, this is what my body will let me do. Just try and make the most of it for now. So it's like I'm hoping my next tournament is the um, 10th of March. So I've just ordered a new set of irons, um, new drivers on the way as well. Once they're new, they're both secondhand. Obviously, I don't, the new stuff I don't get along with, I've gone with what I'm comfortable with. Yeah. So I've gone secondhand off eBay. I build them to what I want them to be. So hopefully, when the tournament comes around, my clubs are in place. Um, I'm spending my time in the gym. My fitness is getting better. My health is getting better. I'm feeling like I'm getting into a routine of how I can play, how I can get to some sort of fair standard to where I was. So fingers crossed, it's going to be a good one. I hope so. I hope so for you. That's about a month away now. It is, yeah. <laughs> I've got a month to get ready. So yeah. Not not too long in golfing terms. It should be, you know, a few months to prepare. Fingers crossed for you. And yeah, thank you. Uh, mental mental health is a big topic at the moment and has been for a while now. How important has it been for you mentally to keep getting out on the golf course and out in the open air, fresh air? I don't know with cricket for me it was massive when I was in a position that you're in now. Oh, not in Dallas, but in the same that that time where your kidney function is low. Hmm. Being outside for a long period of time was so important. It was, yeah, very much for me as well. It's like, um, I think when I first came out of hospital, the first time before I started dialysis, um, me and my girlfriend just went up to, to Coniston and we just went for a walk, did as much as we could. It was pouring it down. The dog loved it. You know, we both got soaked. It went to went to a pub afterwards, had something to eat. But that was just nice to be out and about. Yeah. Then when I started dialysis, obviously I had to wait eight weeks to recover for the line to heal, to you know, fuse into the, into the artery. Over those eight weeks, I was I spent probably the first two at home. I didn't feel like doing much. But then, you know, my dad and brothers were out playing golf. I started to go walk a few holes. Maybe after four weeks, I started to hit a few chips, a few putts, you know. 
started to get the feeling for it again. And that sort of like gave me gave me the encouragement to say, right, everything's everything's okay. You can still do what you want to do. Everything's gonna be fine. And that was that was sort of like a big turning point for me regarding my mental health. It's a good good attitude to have that. I think it's uh I've always struggled with mental health. It's been a big topic for me. It's uh and I think it is it is something we don't talk about too much. As as you know, as men we don't yeah. We don't like to talk about it, but it's something we really need to. Definitely, need to, fully, you know, yeah, completely agree. We need we need to share. We need to you know tell people we're not okay. Definitely, and for me, there was a, a a turning point mentally was when there's a charity called Opening Up Cricket came in to do a talk with the university cricket team, mm-hmm. and that was a case of, oh right, yeah, open up. There's things you can do through your sport that can really help. Yeah, I think the biggest thing with me was sort of opening up on Instagram. Yeah, was, saw that. You know, actually posting and going, it's like actually doing it. That's where, as much as, you know, I think for me it was more of a case of, right, people have seen me promise this, you know, promise this thing now, and I have to deliver. That was, I think that was the way my mind more works than anything else. Other than this tournament coming up in March, have you been able to take part in any tournaments while on dialysis? Yes, yeah, I have. Um, I've played in three. Um, they've all been down in winter series events down in Nottingham. Two have been all right, um, but one I played really well. I actually shot four under par 67 in uh, brutal conditions and only missed out by winning from two shots. So it's uh, yeah, that's the sort of where my game should be. It's where yeah. it always has been, but it's where it should be. And fingers crossed the transplant that you mentioned does go ahead around Easter time this year. What are your plans going forward for the rest of the year, should that happen, and then onwards after you've had your transplant? So basically, the way, my, the way I'm thinking at the moment is if I do everything I can now, so if I push myself as hard as I can, get everything in place for my transplant, when I come back from that, you know, I think it's an eight-week recovery, isn't it? Eight-week recovery period. I think it, it'll vary depending on where you are. I got told yeah. um, I got told six months before any sport, but it might it will depend really? on what your consultant says. So like when I was on the phone through the day, it was like, right, okay, you can start, you know, start going again after six weeks. Yeah. Start, you know, taking it easy after eight weeks. As long as it doesn't hurt, be able to play golf so um, so as i said before my thinking is if i go full out now obviously i'm spending four days a week in the gym i'm practicing when i can spend all my hours i can at the golf course get my game in the best shape it can be when i take those eight weeks off you know could be more i don't have to do as much coming back to the side yeah that's, that makes that's sense. my thinking anyway <laughs> whether it works or not it's a different story but you know that's my thinking I hope it does work for you. I think it's. I think it is a good plan, and I think listening to this, a lot of people will agree with what you're saying and and really take something from your attitude and the way you've dealt with dialysis while being a professional athlete, and just think doing everything you can now to get ready for hopefully that transplant date when that comes, and just yeah. doing what you can. It's 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 inspirational to hear. I mean, the thing is, I don't want you know, I'm not. I don't want people to look at me as like the the guy that's you know playing golf with dialysis i'm yeah. just another another golf professional trying to make a career out of what i love to do you know i'm not after you know pity or anything like that i just want to you know to be this is what i want to do let's yeah. go and do it and i think you know a lot of people see kidney failure as as the end it really isn't you know obviously your life has now changed for the rest of your life obviously you're on medication you know for the anti-rejection everything else has changed but we can still do everything that we want to do yeah there's, there's nothing holding us back really there really isn't no, you're showing that you're showing now that there's nothing stopping you doing what, following your no. dream, despite having yeah. kidney failure, kidney disease. No, there isn't. Well, it's same for everyone. Obviously, there is limitations regarding everybody, but you know, this is what we got to work with. Let's go and do it. Exciting times ahead for you as well. Well, hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah. Definitely hope so. I'll have to get you back on when once you've had your transplant and uh, and you got back into competing again. You're into, into no. your flow, into your rhythm. Get you back, see how it's going, and I'm sure people will love to hear where you oh, are. I'd love to come back on. I really would. I really enjoyed it. Oh, it's great, it's great there. stuff. Great stuff. And uh, yeah, de- definitely get you back on as long as you're up for it in the future. Oh yeah, definitely, hundred percent. I really am. Will, it's been a, it's been a pleasure to chat to you. And before before we go, the Transplants Take On Sport quiz is back. This is going to be horrendous. <laughs> I've always been horrendous at quizzes. <laughs> really bad. It's <laughs> even worse now. My memory's shocking. I'll take that into account. Um, <laughs> You're the second person on Series 2, uh, okay. fourth person to take on the quiz. We had a 4, a 3, and a 2, as far as I'm aware, out of 4. Okay, okay. Uh, so I, I can come fourth, that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, just to recap how this works for people who may not have heard before, uh, each week I'd ask the guest four questions based on the sport of their choosing. Yours is golf, if people hadn't guessed yep. already. Uh, <laughs> one of the questions is which is higher? There's one true or false, one what happens next, and one who am I? Uh, the aim is to score as many points as possible, and I'll be keeping score as the podcasts go by. I don't know if you've heard any of these quizzes before, but the, the, some of them, the first one, two especially, complete guesswork and some pretty okay. stupid questions. Uh, <laughs> so if you're ready, we'll get on with question one. Let's go for it. So question one is, which is higher? Is it the highest score on a single hole in PGA Tour history or the world record for the number of Big Macs eaten in one sitting? Oh, God, that could be a... <laughs> I think it's got to be Big Macs. I mean, there's been some high scores, but it's got to be Big Macs. Correct, it is the Big Macs. <laughs> uh, the highest score on a, PG, on a single hole in PGA Tour history uh, was 23, scored by Tommy Armour at the Shawnee Open in 1927. Well, I'm not sure what the par was, but he took 23 shots. He was well over. Well, I think if I had scored more than 10, I'd walk off. <laughs> <laughs> It takes some guts to keep going. It's it's when he got past ten, it's definitely commitment. I mean, given that, that's definitely commitment. I'd love to know what was going on on that hole. I mean, I want to know how many Big Macs he ate now. Uh, it was competitive eating champion Joey Chestnut. Uh, some people may have heard of him, who he managed to eat thirty-two Big Macs in thirty-eight minutes. Wow! And that's over eighteen thousand calories. <laughs> I do enjoy a Big Mac, but I couldn't eat that many. It's it's ridiculous. It's... <laughs> Well, I couldn't picture that. It, it, it made me feel sick thinking about it. I mean, it's something I want to try it now. See how many I can eat. <laughs> I mean, the dietitian wouldn't be too happy with me, but, you know, it's something I want to try it now. One out of one so far. Question two, true or false? Uh, this is a statement. Golf balls were originally made of elastic bands wrapped around a stone. Uh, I want to say false. Correct again, two out of two. I think, I can't, I think, I think they were made of leather originally. The leather you, you're feather. right, yeah. Leather Leather's wrapped in feather. Leather wrapped in feathers, uh, which apparently they weren't very reliable and they were quite time-consuming to make because they have to wet the feathers, then put it on the leather and let them dry. Really? So the only reason I know that is because we're having this conversation yesterday. We're actually out looking right. some golf balls, our brothers, and we're saying, um, what's the most valuable golf ball? And they're saying it's a leathery. And they're saying it's the first golf ball ever made. It was a leather golf ball wrapped in feathers. And that's the only, obviously that's the only reason I knew that. Oh, what a coincidence. I'm preparing for the quiz secretly. <laughs> Researching for this is where I found the Tiger Woods stat at the start about his uh, first hole in one being, I think it was eight years old. Yeah. Um, yes, uh, I never knew that. <laughs> I mean, I had one when I was seven, but that was, sorry about that, I was, it was actually completely foggy. Um, a local golf club, it was a hundred and, hundred and something yards hole. Couldn't see a thing. I just hit it. And we were spending five minutes looking for the golf ball. I said to my dad, have you checked the hole? It's like, no, I haven't. And it was in the hole. And at the time, it was a hippo. I mean, a hippo golf ball is probably one of the worst golf balls you can ever get, but I've still got it now. And that was my first hole in one. Nice. Good, good story. Kept the, kept the ball all that time. Complete fluke. <laughs> you know, complete <laughs> fluke. But it was, <laughs> You've beaten Tiger yeah, Woods anyway. In one. Something I'll beat him, hopefully. The one thing. You never know. You never know. <laughs> Question three is a what happens next. You're on a perfect score so far. Um, what happens next, uh, providing that I can get access to the footage without being taken down for copyright. Uh, these will all be on uh, the social media pages once this podcast has been released. Um, I'm, I'm going to see about the Phil Bab one from the last episode. That may be up. That may not be up. Uh, Sky owned that. Oh, I believe they do. Uh, question three, what happens next? On And this is multiple choice. On day two of the 2007 President's Cup, Woody Austin hit his tee shot into the water next to the green on the par four 14th hole. In an attempt to win the hole, he took his shoes and socks off, rolled his trousers up to try and hit the ball that was floating on the water next to the grass, onto the green. But what happened next? So the ball's floating on the water. Uh, Three options. A, he hits the ball out of the water and directly into the hole. B, he hits a rock rather than the ball, loses his balance, stumbling backwards and falling face first into the water. Or C, during his follow-through after hitting the ball, he accidentally lets go of his club, throwing it backwards over his head and further into the water than he was already stood. This would be a complete guess. I have absolutely no idea. Um, but I've got a feeling, I've seen a video on somewhere of a guy hitting a shot in the water and of face planting. 
in a PGA event or something like that. So I've got a feeling it's that one. You would be correct again. Three out of three. It's quite a funny clip. It goes down <laughs> so slowly. I think I know which one you mean. Yeah, it's sort of like it's, it's slow motion falling face first into the water. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you were correct. He, he lost the hole, surprisingly. Unsurprisingly, more like. Uh, he lost that hole, but he battled back with three birdies to half the match. That's good going. I mean, it's been soaking. I think the interview was... Oh, yeah, he was, dry, he was absolutely drenched, drying himself off after that hole. But in the interview, I think he said, um, I'd rather try and win it than just give up. So the ball was floating oh, on the water. Yeah. I mean, the worst feeling in golf is when you actually give a hole away when you play match play. Rather than trying to, you know, you make silly mistakes. If you go for it and lose it, fair enough. But if you give it away from a silly mistake, that's the worst feeling. So what have you been trying to do with that just to save an extra shot? So it'll be in a situation, obviously. It's, I think he must have been down in the match to go for it. So he was, it's sort of like all or nothing. You know, if I win this hole, great. If I don't, yeah. his chances still. Okay. It's, it's, it just it looked it looked funny the way he walks over. <laughs> you can see it floating on the water, and you think he's not going to do that. And oh, then, if you haven't watched it, please go and watch and it. And he takes his socks off. <laughs> yeah. Perfect score so far. Going into question four, which is who am I? He jinxed it now. <laughs> and how this works is um, I'll give you four clues. Um, and after those four clues, you can have one guess. If it's wrong, I'm not going to give you an extra one. You can have another guess. And there'll be three extra guesses. So you've got four get four goes in total to get it. Okay. Uh, if you don't get it right, then I'll, I'll quit. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, this person was born in November 1987. They are a former world number one who first reached the rank in September 2015. They've won one major championship and they are one of only three multiple winners of the WGC match play. I have no idea. Any guesses? I'm trying to think of someone who's who's around that age. So he's, um, what would he be? Quick maths. Uh, 29. 29? Eight, 87. So he... 97, 10, 2007, 20, 17. He's 35 this yeah, year. Yeah, terrible. 35 this year. I've really got year. a maths, but it's not, not anymore, apparently. <laughs> and I did well at school. Uh, but He's 35 this year. Okay. Uh, who's the one, one, one major? Mm. One of only three multiple winners of the WGC match play. Not Jason Day? Yeah, it was, yeah. Was it Jason Day? Yeah. Really? <laughs> <laughs> got it on the first one. Well, that, uh, the, only, the only thing that threw me was always the 2015. I thought, right, it's about when Jason Day came in and the one major. He's only one, one major. And I know, he's, I know he's won one match, but I didn't know he'd won three. Oh, he's only the one. The only he, I, he said he's one of only three multiple. Oh, okay, yeah. So he won. He won two. Ones, yeah. Uh, Tiger Woods had three, I believe, from my research, and I can't remember the other one. Yeah, because he was the only one that sort of came to mind when he was one. He's won a match play. He's won a major. The only one major. I can't believe I got that right. Other clues would have been uh, won the 2015 PGA Championship, finished second in the US Open twice, and the final clue, Australian. Yeah, yeah, I would have got it then. When you mentioned Australian, I would have got it. Four out of four. Very good right, score. I'm expecting, I'm expecting to get zero, to be honest with you. Puts you at the top. I'll take that. I'll definitely take that. Whoever's on next got big shoes to fill. I've set standard, haven't I? <laughs> it's that competitive edge of being, you know, trying to compete for a living. you got always compete all the time. The, the pros. Like, you know, well, when I was in school, I had to be the first finishing writing. If I didn't, I would sulk <laughs> every single time. It's fitting that the uh, professional athlete is at the top of the leaderboard. We'll see for how much longer. <laughs> you, are, you can't, you can't go any, you can't go any uh, higher. So, I have one more question next time. I have one more question. <laughs> Will, it's been a pleasure to chat to you today and learn learn more about golf and also your your golfing career. And your attitude on it is all, your attitude on kidney failure and playing golf again is is great. I think people will take a lot from it. One more question before we go, and it's the one that I ask everyone at the end of the podcast. It's actually a position that you're in, aimed at people who are in your position at the moment. Mm-hmm. What's one piece of advice you'd give to someone facing a transplant? You know, we've, we've been put in a situation for a reason. It's it's something we've got to deal with now. So you know, there's no point looking back at what could be, where we could be. Just give it a go. Do everything you can do. You know, nothing's, nothing's going to change. We are where we are. Well said. And there we go. That was my guest today, Will Markloo, who hopefully you'll hear more from 
into the, into the future after he's hopefully had a transplant later this year and is back playing golf after that again. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch to either just send a message or if you'd like to come on the podcast or if there's somebody you think I should be contacting to bring on as a guest, uh, you can do so by emailing transplantstakeonsport at gmail.com or you can go to any of the social media pages that are linked in the show notes, Instagram and Facebook at transplantstakeonsportpod, Twitter at ttospod. Um, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, that is the most used app to listen to the podcast on. And it means a massive amount to me if you go and rate the podcast five stars on there. as It really does help spread the podcast to more people and help them discover it on the search page. Uh, more than you'd think, actually. If you don't think it's five stars, fair enough. Perfectly intact for that opinion. Uh, I'd rather you told me and I could make any changes that way rather than going and rating it one star on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Spotify, I've also added that feature now. So again... If you would be kind enough, and if you'd if you'd like to go and rate it five stars on there, then please go and do so, as it really does help out and uh, help the podcast grow. Any five star reviews, along with the along with the rating on Apple Podcasts, will be read out in this section of the podcast. Thank you once again to my guest today, Will Marklu. I've been Lewis Daniels, and you've been listening to Transplants Take on Sport. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.